Hello and welcome to Is It Legal? I'm your host, Dave Plow. In this episode, we're continuing our conversation with Gerald Bebko. In the first half, we spoke almost exclusively about his time in the FBI. This time, we're focusing on his move into and current career in academia. Before we do, I'd like to mention that a few hours after the first half of this interview posted, I received an email from Jerry mentioning that I had made a mistake. It turns out he was the chancellor for IUPUI for only about 17 years, and he spent the last year or so as the interim president for IU. Before he was either of those, he was the dean at our sponsor, IU's Robert H. McKinney School of Law. But to find out how he got to any of these positions, we first have to ask, why did Jerry decide to move into education? Well, uh... I was invited to go back to the law school where I had earned my first law degree, um, which is a, a, the Illinois Institute of Technology, Chicago Kent College of Law. It's really a fine law school uh, today. Uh, it wasn't as good then, um, but uh, it is really a really terrific law school today. And uh, they invited me back to teach. Uh, I had been a top student in my class when I was there, and I... Uh, so, gee, that'd be a good way to phase out of the FBI, go back to Chicago where I had lots of friends and contacts. And uh, so I did. I accepted the teaching job. And after a year, I liked it. And the faculty liked me and the students liked me. And so um, I decided I would like to make a career of this. But everyone said, if you want to make a career of it, you've got to go somewhere else. And uh, you shouldn't uh, have only the school you're teaching at uh, as a uh, preparation. You should be uh, more broadly exposed to the study of law. I was fortunate. The Ford Foundation had fellowships, and I won a Ford Foundation fellowship and went to graduate school at Yale. Uh, I, was one of, I may have been the only former FBI agent that ever went to the Yale Law School. <laughs> uh, I got to be friends with a lot of the faculty over that. They were, they were curious. Burke Marshall, who worked in the Justice Department, who I had known of when I was in the FBI, took a special interest. He invited me to go to some programs they were having on uh, national uh, criminal and national security issues, and it was very kind of him. But I got to know quite a number of the faculty there. Okay. Uh, and, then I came to Indiana. And then you came to Indiana. Yeah. What brought you to Indiana? Did you just get a job offer, yeah. or were you hunting it up? I had a couple of job offers, and uh, I liked this one best in part because it was Indiana University, in part because I liked the people that I met, and in part because if we didn't come here, we would probably go back to Chicago. Uh, and uh, both my wife's parents, my wife's mother, and my mother lived in Chicago, and very close to where we were living, too. Mm -hmm. And we thought it would be great to have them available. We had two children at that point, uh, and it would be great to have them nearby, but not so close that they would be dropping in on alternate days. <laughs> so Indiana seemed great. Okay. How'd you, what led to you becoming dean of the law school? Well, uh, we recruited a new dean in 1978 uh, named Tom Reed, who was uh, dean of University of Tulsa, came here. And uh, I had just been visiting a visiting professor, actually at two places. I was a visiting professor at the University of Illinois, in 77, 78, 
and then I was a visiting professor at Ohio State in 1978-79, and the uh, new dean that we brought in, Tom Reed, was uh, well-connected with the legal education community, and uh, he uh, uh, wanted to have a, an associate dean, somebody that would be from the faculty, and uh, he said, the person I know the best, I don't know him, but I know hear the most about from friends at Illinois and Ohio State is Jerry Bepko. So he said, I thought I should ask you to view Jerry to be my associate dean for at least a few months till I get my feet on the ground. Well, I worked for the first few months in that job. I couldn't say no, and I, I liked Tom Reed a lot. And uh, after the first few months, things were clicking. We were getting along great. Uh, we both thought the same way, and when we had disagreements, we were really educating each other. So uh, uh, he said, please stay on. Uh, I'd like you to be the permanent associate dean, which I said I would do. And then the following year, uh, they offered Tom the deanship of the University of Florida. I went with it with him, not to Florida, but we talked about this over and over again. Should I take the interview? If I go down there, it's a sunshine law state. I'm going to be known by everybody. Uh, should I should I go for the interview? Finally, he decided that he couldn't pass it up. They were offering him. Each time he said, I can't do it, they offered him more. They offered him so much that he would have been a fool to turn it down. So he went to Florida. It was late in the year. Uh, since I was the associate dean, uh, academic affairs, I was a logical person to turn to as the interim dean until the search was conducted. And then uh, during the interim year, uh, uh, I thought, as long as I'm already an interim dean, I might as well be considered for the deanship. Faculty were very supportive of me, I have to say, and uh, without being immodest. And... Uh, at the end of the year, uh, year, I think that the faculty voting was such that the only person the university could turn to was me. Uh, they had another candidate who was from Ohio State, a great guy, but he didn't uh, have much support on the faculty. So they asked me to be the dean, and I, and I agreed. I've talked to a number of the former deans recently. I've asked them all uh, similar questions. I want to get your perspective on it. As dean, what did you see as your main responsibility? Well, my main responsibility was to uh, keep the improvement tra trajectory that we had at the school that was already in place. We're recruiting better faculty. Uh, I think our uh, faculty was maturing, so there were better teachers, better scholars. I think we're being recognized around the country more for the quality of uh, educational program that we had here. Uh, we were recruiting better students, and we're raising money for the first time. Uh, and. Uh, I figured maybe of all those, the most important was raising money and keeping the image of the School of Law here uh, advancing in the state and around and around the country, but primarily in the state of Indiana. From there, you ended up becoming chancellor of IUPUI. I did. How does that happen? Well, uh, again, it was uh, uh, fortuitous, I guess, uh, because... Uh, the first chancellor of the campus had come from the dental school. <clears throat> okay. In 1969, they appointed Maynard Hine as the chancellor. In 1973, they appointed Glenn Irwin as the chancellor. And Glenn served a long time. He served until 1985-86. <clears throat> so that they were to have a replacement for him 
by May of 1986. Uh, if you look at the pattern that had been established already, they had a campus that was here and there were a lot of strong schools and a lot of good people on the campus, but it had never been anointed with an administration before. The people who ran the campus here were really based in Bloomington, or if they weren't, they reported to Bloomington. Uh, Maynard was the first person who was on campus who had a title that uh, resembled the person in charge of the campus. Glenn solidified that, Glenn Irwin from medicine solidified that. Um, the Med School of Medicine is a was the largest and still is the largest unit at IUPUI, so it's a natural thing for the Dean of Medicine to move over uh, to that job. Uh, but when Glenn retired, um, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the dental school and the medical school weren't in the same position to offer uh, a new leader for the campus. In fact, Walter Daly, who was the Dean of Medicine at the time, uh, recommended me. And I recommend that to him. <laughs> and uh, you can see who had the more influence in the university. He did, because they, they appointed me the chancellor. Um, but we, we got along famously, and it was a natural thing to take one of the other graduate professional schools and move a person. I had had experience at other universities, three or four other universities uh, by that time. And uh, so uh, they asked me to be chancellor, and I uh, was happy to do it for 17 years. Long time. During those 17 years, there were a lot of changes throughout Indianapolis. I remember coming to town when I was younger, and the city was, the landscape was completely different uh, than it is today. What did you do? What was IUPUI's role while you were chancellor and part of changing the city, or how did you, or how did you change IUPUI, I guess? Well, they both uh, should have and did change together. I think the uh, uh, downtown area, which today is entirely different than it was 40 years ago, um, I think is a, is a it has been caused in part, at least, by the growth of IUPUI uh, and the medical center and all that goes with it. This whole western side of the downtown area uh, is now uh, flowering, and uh, we even have uh, more and more conversations about uh, research and innovation centers and things that would be uh, cooperative between Indiana University, Purdue University, and the city and the state to try to take advantage of research that goes on throughout the uh, corridor, really, from Lafayette to Bloomington with uh, the Indianapolis campus here in the, in the largest concentration of population. Uh, and and, and uh, uh, alluringly uh, named IUPUI because it has both IU and Purdue in it. So it's it's our research corridor in Indiana. And I think that more and more people are, have been thinking along those lines. And I think that uh, that couldn't have happened without a strong uh, campus uh, here with uh, high quality programs and, and good people on the ground. Um, in terms of the rest of the city, I think the campus here has contributed greatly uh, both by attracting a lot of people here. We employ a lot of people in this. In fact, we're the largest employer, I think, in the uh, city. Uh, there may be someone that has more, but I don't think so. Uh, and uh, certainly in the downtown area. And uh, we have more uh, people coming here, students now, uh, more students living around campus. It's created a vibrant, uh, uh, exciting uh, atmosphere. 
And I think that uh, this is making it easier for others to recruit people to Indianapolis. Right now we have a nightlife here. Massachusetts Avenue is uh, something spectacular, and all the housing that's being built all around. Uh, Forty years ago, uh, they were tearing things down. Now everything is being built, and it's uh, it's great. I think Indianapolis will be a very competitive city of the future, especially for people who are interested in university life, both for faculty members and students, because this is uh, a campus that has a lot of the attractions of other big cities, but it's much more friendly and comfortable and less dangerous, I would argue. Yeah, the IUPUI for a long time had a reputation as being a commuter college, and it seems there are many more students living in this area. Was that, is that, is that a deliberate decision by the college? Was that something you worked on? Well, it's only deliberate to the extent that we built housing here. Uh, the rest of it has been done by the private market, and uh, we haven't. I don't think we've recruited students uh, as residential students without having a place for them on campus. But today, the demand is great enough so that people are coming here and applying for admission at IUPUI, even when they don't get admitted, or pardon me, they don't get housing, even though they're admitted. Uh, they end up coming anyway because they can find attractive residential arrangements nearby. We will be back with more from Gerald Bebko in a moment, but our sponsors at the IU Robert H. McKinney School of Law are proud to have once again been selected to pre-law magazine's best value law school list. Find out more about IU McKinney's reputation for excellence at mckinneylaw.iu.edu. Coming back, I asked Jerry what his goals as chancellor were. And a bit later in our conversation, there's a callback to an earlier podcast we did with former Dean Norman Lefstein. During your time as chancellor, what were some of your goals? We wanted to have uh, a better uh, base of uh, private support. So we had uh, a good deal of effort focused on fundraising. And we did hold the first billion-dollar campaign uh, in the state. Uh, for IUPUI as I was retiring. In fact, one of the reasons I retired when I did was I thought we were already to the billion mark that I could hand off uh, a fundraising campaign to the new chancellor where he could cut the ribbons and say, I'm here as your chancellor and here's a billion dollar, one billion, uh, I think it was uh, 30 or 45 million over a billion. Uh, since then, they made an even bigger one, but uh, fundraising was important. Um, it was, it was uh, making the gathering of programs here into a university, into a coherent university. Uh, Bill Plater, who uh, was executive vice chancellor all during the time I was chancellor, a terrific uh, leader for the university, he, uh, along with a lot of other people, made our undergraduate programs and our graduate programs uh, uh, much more attractive to students and much better in terms of educational outcomes. It was a transformation. We were a commuter college in the old sense of the word and back in the 1960s and 70s, but uh, through the last uh, 30 years we've become a very uh, formidable university with high quality programs across the range of disciplines and an atmosphere which is uplifting and and I think has uh, high intellectual and, uh, and, and, and other standards. Uh, I just have 
two more questions for you. Uh, you used the term retired, like that you retired, but you've not really retired. You're still teaching at the law school. Uh, you're still active on campus and working with the college. What drives you to keep doing that? Why do you keep doing it? Well, I'm not sure how busy I am because we live in Florida for <laughs> five months each year. Uh, although I do come back during the time we're in Florida. Um, I thought that uh, a successful retirement is being busy on your own terms. And I am uh, uh, reasonably successful at that, although I fail from time to time, uh, because if you are busy enough, you tend to lose control of the terms. <laughs> and that's happened to me a few times, right. uh, more than a few times. But uh, I enjoy it. Uh, I love the uh, university. I love uh, the McKinney School of Law. Uh, there are so many reasons why I, I've been spent a good part of my life here. Um, uh, I was a chancellor when we uh, built this new building, uh, and uh, uh, it's home for me. I know the people here, um, some of the older ones anyway, I know them very well, and the new people I've gotten to know, and I'm just excited to be here. It's a wonderful academic community, and it's a great place to uh, uh, be busy on your own terms. Great. Uh, speaking of building a new building, I talked to Norm Lefstein a while back. Um, he said there were some demands he had when he, uh, when you guys were recruiting him to become a, when you guys were recruiting him to become dean. I got to know, did he ever get his basketball tickets? <laughs> well, he had them available to him. <laughs> uh, but uh, the conversation went like this. He said, uh, Jerry, I'm a big North Carolina, he was at the University of North Carolina, a big North Carolina Dean Smith fan. And uh, I uh, uh, want to have tickets to the IU basketball games. And I said, that's no problem. We can get them for you. Now, what I was thinking is I have tickets. <laughs> um, and uh, I would have given him my tickets. Mm -hmm. I didn't use them that much. I still have those tickets, incidentally. And they're used now by the faculty here. Uh, I haven't been to a, an IU home game for five years, I would say. And... Uh, uh, I miss going, but uh, I think that we're gone a good part of the winter, and uh, I think the people who are using them are using them better than I would. But uh, after I had said that to Norm, he went over a couple of other things, and finally at the end, uh, he said, oh, by the way, Jerry, I was just kidding about the basketball tickets. And I rejoined and said, well, that's okay, because I couldn't have gotten them for you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I was saying that with a uh, flippant attitude. I really had the tickets in hand. I would have just had, a, <laughs> had to give him mine. Uh, but I didn't go to that many games. And uh, uh, anyway, and I think I could have gotten more tickets if I wanted them as the chancellor of the campus here had always been known as a vice president of the university because uh, the vice president being the representative of the president of the university would have more uh, uh, more of a good role in the organizational chart because so many of the schools here are multi-campus schools. If you're a chancellor, then what are you doing uh, working across campuses? So they were, in fact, the original head of the campus was called only a vice president. It was only until um, uh, Tom Ehrlich uh, had been here for a few years, and I think it was Ken Gross Lewis in Bloomington more than me, who said, it's confusing for me in Bloomington because people come 
to Brian Hall, where there is the office of the president, and they talk to me as vice president, and they think, well, I'm not talking to the number one person then. So he added chancellor to both of our titles, vice president and chancellor. Uh, but then they started to add other things, and it got very confusing. Uh, I was vice president for long-range planning for a long time, uh, but I think I still carried and chancellor of IUPUI. Um, it, it's an unorthodox, uh, not typical university organization, so you run into problems with titles. Mm -hmm. And you also, you were uh, interim president at IU for a period of time, too. I was, when uh, Miles Brand, who was a wonderful president, in fact, uh, Tom Ehrlich, who was the law dean, was a wonderful president here. John Ryan, I served with only one year. These are terrific people, uh, and uh, as is Michael McRobbie, and, uh, uh, but I, I, I worked with Miles Brand uh, closely. He was a great person. Um, but uh, he uh, had become very well known in the world of intercollegiate athletics because he was the president that fired Bob Knight. And uh, incidentally, I think he was right uh, he, on the merits. Uh, I was a big Knight fan, big Bob Knight fan, uh, but I recognized that... Uh, uh, Miles Brand had to protect the integrity of the program and the integrity of the university, so he couldn't very well let Bob Knight do anything he wanted. And then uh, he put his foot down. Uh, it wasn't the first provocation either. It was probably the fourth or fifth. But um, that made Miles very attractive uh, to the NCAA. They were trying to recruit somebody who could uh, be a strong academic leader and at the same time have the... Uh, personality and strength to be able to deal with the uh, intercollegiate athletic uh, people across the country. And I think uh, that uh, uh, sadly he only uh, stayed uh, in that job for four or five years because he had uh, cancer and, and passed away. It was a tragic situation. But uh, when Miles left, it was sudden because the uh, board of... Uh, directors of the NCAA was meeting over at the NCAA headquarters. Miles was here in his office and uh, and uh, they called him over and said, you, you're the one we want to be the head of the NCAA and uh, we're going to announce it tomorrow. You, if you want to make your announcement, you can do it now. I, I, I'm, I'm making that up, but right. it was a very short time. Yeah. Uh, so he was announced as the new president of the NCAA, which meant Who's going to be the next president? It was too late for a search, so they said, Jerry, why don't you be the uh, interim president from now until we get a new president? And uh, turned out to be the better part of an academic year. Everyone, that is it. Not only for this episode, but for this second season. My thanks go out to Gerald Bebko. He is the best, and we were lucky to be able to have him on this season. Thank you, listeners, for coming back for season two and listening to me talk with all these interesting people. And a thanks goes out to our sponsor. I use Robert H. McKinney School of Law, who has offered hands-on learning in an urban environment for over 120 years. Why attend law school in a city like Indianapolis? Well, Indy receives frequent recognition for being a safe, friendly, affordable, not to mention fun place to live. Find out more about the Indy Advantage on our sponsor's website, mckinneylaw.iu.edu slash about slash Indianapolis. That's just about it, everybody. 
this season is a wrap. Check out our Facebook at facebook.com slash is it legal to keep up to date with our return and see some pictures from many of the interviews we've done. Thanks again for sticking around and I will catch you next time on is it legal? Thank you.